Welcome to the IPv6 Buzz podcast, where we dare to dive into the 128-bit address space wormhole. Quick reminder, there's sponsorship opportunities available for IPv6 Buzz and the other Packet Pusher podcast shows. So if you're interested, you know, you can go to packetpushers.net slash sponsorship and get all the details. And if you've got something cool working with IPv6, we definitely want to hear about it. So come join us, hit us up, and we'd love to have you on the show. I'm Ed Horley with my co-host Tom Coffin and Scott Hogue. And today we're going to be talking about the latest progress with IPv6 with our guest Xiping Xiao. Uh, who's the co-chair of the V6 um, V6 working group at the ITF and also works for Huawei. And hey, let's jump in and start right off with some questions. <laughs> maybe, maybe I guess the, the obvious place to start is, can you give us a little bit of an overview of sort of your role at the ITF and, and sort of the V6, you know, ops working group and, and, and things of that nature? And welcome to the show. <laughs> uh, thank you, uh, Ed, Tom, and Scott. Uh, it's a re- my real pleasure to join the show. I joined the IETF uh, since 1999. Um, I have four IFCs, and currently I'm the co-chair of uh, V6 Ops. And the other co-chairs are Fred Baker and Ron Bonica. They are very famous in the industry, I guess. You know them, so I don't need to introduce them. And our AD is uh, Warren Kumari. And I want to thank uh, Warren for appointing me as the third co-chair for V6 Ops. Yeah, very cool. And we, we've had Fred on the show before, uh, actually early on. Uh, and I think we have Ron lined up actually for, for show or, so, or hopefully soon. Uh, but that's really cool. Uh, what, which RFCs were you actually uh, uh, authored? One is uh, number three to uh, one zero because I think that the number is uh, easy to remember. But my first RFC is uh, about uh, diff serve and TCP. At that time, you know, TCP have a certain uh, uh, issue working with uh, diff serve. And at that time, uh, we work with Van Jacobson, who is a big shot in TCP. And also my boss, Alan Hannon, at that time, I was at Global Crossing. We discovered the problem in live network and we, we, we discussed with Vang about, you know, how to fix this. Um, uh, in the end, we published the first RFC. Oh, that's awesome. Very cool. I mean, that's, it's, it's always awesome to have folks who are authoring RFCs on the show. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe you can talk uh, since you're just since you're co-chair for for the V6 Ops group, um, maybe you could tell us what things are sort of most interesting and, and for you happening right now with with IPv6. It's an exciting time for IPv6, and I feel that there are a few things that are really interesting. The first one uh, I would like to talk about is like the IPv6 value chain is now ready uh, because IPv6 is an old topic. And some people who doesn't know the recent progress of IPv6 will feel that, oh, not again, you know, uh, this is a boring topic. So I find that I really need to tell them, you know, what's going on in the last few years uh, to get them to become interested in IPv6 again. So the Main difference is, as I said, is the value chain is now ready, meaning that not only the network uh, can do IPv6, but most of the user equipment, like the mobile phones, the 
the laptop, PCs, you know, basically anything on the major operating system, like, you know, uh, Apple, iOS, or Android, or, you know, uh, Microsoft. If you are using one of these major uh, operating system on also Linux, then you know you 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 automatically uh, support uh, IPv6. So this is something that's um, I think that IP this is the UE is uh, IPv6 ready about you know uh, 2011. So I think that it's a long time ago, just before the world the IPv6 launch day uh, in I believe it's June 12, uh, 2012. Um, another important thing is the content is now also uh, IPv6 ready. Actually, you know, in 2012, when the world launched the IPv6, actually content is not quite ready at that time. So if content is not ready, then, you know, you launch IPv6 to some extent, it's not so useful. But I think that, you know, uh, after the IPv6 launch day, I think that uh, YouTube, Facebook, this like, you know, Apple required that all the apps needed to support IPv6, et cetera, Netflix, you know, Akamai, all of these big content uh, uh, started to support IPv6. And by about 2016, 2016, uh, the content, at least 50% of the content uh, are ready. And pretty much all the big content, like the names that I just mentioned, are IPv6 ready. And therefore, you know, when the network also support IPv6, you know, you can get IPv6 end to end. And this is why IPv6 in the last five years, you know, are really different from the old IPv6 that we, we know about. So in the past, I think that, you know, IPv6 is about 25 years old. I think that in the first 20 years, it didn't make as much progress as we did in the last five years. So this is the first thing that really uh, get me excited. And the, another thing is the rapid increase of uh, IPv4 uh, address. So for example, last year alone, uh, the price of each IP address increased from about $20 to uh, a little bit more than 50. So in 2021 alone, uh, the price basically doubled. And if yeah. we look at the price, it actually increased by seven times since 2014. But this year, this year when I look at the uh, IPv4 price, uh, it actually kind of like stay flat. So in the last Last few years, it's always increasing uh, quite rapidly. But this year, it actually, you know, is kind of like going up and down and stay relatively flat. Uh, we haven't figured out why uh, yet. Yeah, I mean, that's it's an interesting point. We had talked a while ago to uh, Lee Howard about some of the some of the pricing <laughs> and what was going on, and he he speculated, I think, back then that there was going to be a level off at some point. Um, and, and, and that depending on the adoption rate of IPv6, it could potentially impact what threshold that, that price point for IPv4 addresses really cross over. I don't know if we've reached that point yet, but, um, but, it's, but I think it's, it's sort of interesting seeing what's happening in the market right now. Uh, actually, I think that, uh, that's what I think too, because I know a few operators told me mm -hmm. that 
because the IPv4 address is so high, they feel that it's a good opportunity to sell their IPv4 because they have already started to deploy uh, IPv6. And while you know the the price is so good, they kind of like you know they they were thinking that oh maybe uh, it's time to sell the IPv4. So maybe there are some other uh, people that are doing that and kind of like uh, keeping the the price. Yeah, there's more available more available addresses on the market to a certain degree. It's really interesting and counterintuitive based on the amount of IPv4 address purchasing that we've seen by the part of cloud providers and right. the f- and the fact that that there there doesn't seem to be any off-ramp other than IPv6 for cloud providers to get away from having to have those IPv4 resources on hand. And so it's certainly not what I would have expected to to see a, a level off of of the demand and of the price as a result. But but do you think potentially it's because um, and we had, we had just uh, had a show talking about sort of V six and public clouds they all have it operating now so does that take some pressure off in terms of how much how quickly they have to obtain V four address space when they can tell customers use V six and use V four as a load balance service in front I mean I don't know I mean I don't it, I don't it could also be you know. If you need addresses and the cloud providers need addresses, you should buy them as soon as possible and as many mm-hmm. as you can, because they'll never be, you know, as cheap as they are now until like 20 years from now when they're like Betamax tapes sold out of the trunk of a car or something. <laughs> Nobody wants them. Um, I have a bunch of CD plus R's if anyone's interested, <laughs> a DVD plus R's. Um, and so they probably bought a lot early. And now they have a plentiful supply, for right? The, for the time, so there's a so the, very good point. Yeah, so there's probably a little bit of a pause right now, and maybe we see mm-hmm. some more activity in the in a year and a half, two years, mm-hmm. as they're sort of figuring out what the long term thing is, and also how much V six adoption is going on, right? Well, and that's and that's really it because they have. I mean, you, it's one thing to say we have we're offering V six services; it's another, you know, hey, we've built a better mousetrap here. Uh, but it's another thing to have the, uh, the, you know, the actual consumption of those services ramp up based on enterprises understanding how their operational models may and will have to shift in order to take advantage of those services. And I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think we're at least part of the way there, but I think there's still yeah. a lot, a lot left to do in that space. And so it's like, hey, we've we've built this great product with V6. Come use it. Yeah, they've they have IPv6 features, but you have to opt in and you have to know how to turn them on and it's not always well it's not on by default right ipv6 isn't on by default in any cloud provider and you have to opt in and so a devops team which is focused on the app may not know that they have to opt in or why they would want to opt in to ipv6 yeah and it it brings to it brings to mind a question that i'd like to present to jiping uh it related to what you feel like the IETF's role, if any, it, it has in terms of, you know, really helping promote or drive adoption of IPv6 among enterprise, you know, those those customers of cloud that are enterprise customers that, you know, may not understand that V6 is, is something that they can use, that they may need to change their operational models to use it. Is there, what role do you, do you see the IETF playing in, in promoting or um, you know, helping drive that enterprise adoption, if any, there may not, you may not see a role for that, but I'd be curious what, what your answer to that would be. I would say that, you know, you hit a very important point. 
because IPv6 adoption for enterprise, especially for SME, the small and medium enterprise, is uh, pretty low. So uh, in the IETF, especially V6 ops, we actually have uh, quite a few discussion how to change this situation. And at this moment, honestly, we only see you know, two possible ways. This is a very difficult problem because IPv6 main advantage, I would say that is address, is plenty of address. But for the SMEs, you know, they don't care. They, 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 they can use the, you know, a certain amount of uh, private address and, you know, do a little bit of net and they, they are okay. They don't need a lot more address, unlike the operators and the big clouds. So how can you get them to move to IPv6? And I think that another challenge for enterprise to adopt uh, IPv6 is the knowledge level or lack of uh, IPv6 knowledge. And as a result, I think that, you know, based on our discussion, we kind of only see two uh, uh, possible way. One is that, as we said, uh, public cloud are supporting IPv6, are supporting IPv6. And because uh, these SMEs, actually pretty much all the enterprises are also uh, going to the cloud. So if the public cloud can make it so easy that, you know, it's uh, kind of like, you know, a uh, piece of cake uh, for SMEs when they move to cloud, it's very easy for them to change to IPv6 as well. Then I think that this would be, uh, 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 I think that a very good, you know, kind of, uh, let me call it a push. But I think that this is far from reality yet. I think that this is one possible way. I see another possible way, you know, lately I have been enthusiastic about this is that because in the networking world, in the networking world, the biggest challenge nowadays is like, you know, when something uh, wrong happened, it's very difficult to figure out uh, where it is. Wait, what is the root cause of the uh, of the uh, problem? For example, I think that usually when we're at home, you know, internet doesn't work. We really, we have no idea whether it's Wi-Fi problem or it's a network problem, you know. Usually all we can do is reboot the, you know, the, the modem and hope that it works. So lately I'm thinking that, you know, in IPv6, if we can somehow make the, the kind of like, you know, uh, problem solving or problem identifying uh, easier than IPv4. Then maybe this will also be a strong reason for, for, for kind of like getting people to move to IPv6. But I think that everybody, when they heard this, they become very skeptical. They say that, you know, how you can do this. This is a very difficult problem. And I want to highlight that, you know, lately I see some hope because uh, one of my colleagues, the Bengal Classer, he used to be a Cisco fellow, and he is in the IETF advocating this so-called, I'll call it a young assurance graph. Basically, he's building young models to link all the kind of like, you know, the, the, the network event, or let me put it this way, to, to link a service to the devices, the port, light cars, et cetera, so that you know when 
something happened, something happened. You know, with this young graph, you are able to figure out that, okay, you know, when a service is broken, what is the kind of like the device that may, may relate it to this service? Or, right. you know, from the other angle, when a port failed, you know, what services and what line cards, et cetera, will be linked to this. And I kind of feel that, you know, because of this new solution, this is a new solution. So if IPv6 can support this kind of new solution before IPv4 do, then I think that IPv6 can have an operational uh, advantage than IPv4. And as a matter of fact, because IPv6 is less deployed than IPv4, it kind of like make it a little bit easier to, to uh, update the management system, et cetera. I would say that, you know, IPv6 is a greener field than IPv4. And as a result, it may make it a little bit easier to adopt these new solutions. But, you know, this is also something uh, I am, I am uh, passionate about these days. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I think it's interesting because we've we've certainly talked about and advocated a lot about the knowledge side for IPv6, about the fact that many operators don't know IPv6 to the extent that they obviously know IPv4. Uh, and the investment to 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 get there is actually very high. It's a it's a high investment because it's time and energy for that individual. And if they don't have something to work on, they won't retain the knowledge. Uh, it's one of the reasons that we do the podcast, actually, <laughs> right? right? In terms of getting the message out for folks, um, but it's interesting. I mean, it's I, it's it's hard for the IETF to necessarily have directional input on that sort of stuff, right? I mean, they can, I guess, they can go out and try and make more interesting things available from a technology basis for IPv6. But I don't know how you can you can do the advocacy or push. I know I know on the list just from uh, being a lurker on the on the mailing list that you've been pushing around some education components around saying like, hey, we need a maybe a textbook. You know, Brian Carpenter is, is working on, you know, an IPv6 textbook that's sort of an open source contribution textbook to, to help folks, right. um, which would be, you know, certainly would be welcome. I think the last updated textbook that's most current is probably Rick Graziani's second edition of IPv6 Fundamentals from Cisco Press, which is a great book, um, a, a great learning book for IPv6. But nothing's really addressing the enterprise market that isn't you know pretty long in the tooth i think the cisco press ipv6 enterprise book is what 2012 you guys is that is that when it came out 2011 yeah so i mean it's pretty old now it's 10 years old it's a decade old shannon doesn't want to hear that <laughs> but, but it's a decade old now so i think there's new guidance that's really needed for the industry overall um, and, and maybe that's the right forum to go forward. I don't know. So if anyone's out there is interested in participating in, 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 you know, putting out some, some info about IPv6 and the enterprise side and wants to contribute, uh, you follow the, follow the mailing list. Brian's been, been posting a few things. So, uh, thank you. Definitely Matt. worth, well, definitely worth checking you. out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, let's, let's talk about the flip side, which is, <laughs> Is is there anything you're frustrated about with the adoption level of IPv6 currently? Because I mean, you're the co-chair on the v6 ops side, right? That's all about deployment and operations of v6. So, what what are you frustrated with that's that's going on right now? <laughs> uh, actually, I am not uh, frustrated. You know, if I'm frustrated, maybe I I I will not work on on it. I'm actually I'm quite excited uh, about the momentum of uh, IPv6. 
Um, but that doesn't mean that you know IPv6 cannot uh, do better. I feel that you know there are a few areas that uh, IPv6 can do better. Uh, I think that you know just now we talk about the uh, the SME adoption rate is low. And what can be done about it? I would say that you know even in the operator side, uh, things can be better too. Because at the moment, I think that for many operators, uh, they are offering IPv6 services. But you know, on their network side, actually they are not doing that much yet. Uh, most of the cases, I think that you know, uh, IPv6 is supported on the CPE and supported on the service gateway. So you know, the, the, they can offer service to the customers. But you know, on many routers, on many routers, actually, you know, as soon as the IPv6 traffic comes, it will encapsulate it in MPLS, and then you know, just use these, you know, six uh, PE, six VPE, you know, use MPLS to transport uh, IPv6 uh, traffic. So as a result, I kind of feel that this is somewhat suboptimal because if the IPv6 is only at the service layer. Um, at the network layer, it's IPv4, then it's calling a tail of two protocols. This, you will never get an ethics strategy to move to a single protocol world. Um, as a result, you are going to end up managing two protocols. And these obviously have, you know, higher capex and opex. So we are in and the reason why operators are doing IPv6 mostly at the service layer and not that much in the, in the network layer is because of the operations issues that we mentioned. Um, if V6 ops, um, the whole IETF can take more actions to address these uh, operations issue, then I think that it will, more operators will be willing to, to move their, uh, underlay or so-called the network also to IPv6. And when both the service and the network in, in IPv6, it's easier to move to, uh, you know, uh, eventually uh, IPv6 only world where you need to manage a single protocol. And I would say that V6 ops um, uh, are actually doing something. So nowadays we, we, we I think that there are quite a few uh, enthusiastic people like, you know, Mark Ackerman, you know, uh, Nalili, you know, uh, Nick, you know, these, we are, first we are having side meetings uh, in the, in each IETF. And um, again, you know, we welcome everybody to go to the, the side meetings. Uh, in the side meetings, we have more time to discuss, for example, what are the, uh, the list of, you know, IPv6 issues. Uh, especially for enterprise. For example, in London, in the London IETF in November, we're going to, uh, Mark Ackerman is going to present a list of IPv6 issues that he want to get uh, resolved. And we hope that, you know, uh, IPv6 experts like you folks and others, uh, if you go to the IETF, you will join the side meeting, you will see the issues, you can help to answer, you know, how to solve these issues. And we also hope that, you know, eventually we are going to document these issues and the solutions 
in some, you know, V6 of the draft, which will hopefully become RFC so that, you know, everybody knows. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I know Nick has been working on the ULA issue uh, and submitted, you know, and, and you guys, uh, I think on the working group side, uh, took in his initial draft and it's now a, a standard ITF working group draft now for for the ULA stuff, which is great because it's definitely a, a problem for for other organizations. Right. Oh, very cool. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I'm going to ask you to put on to, to change modes and 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 do the future vision thing <laughs> and talk about maybe what you think is going to happen with IPv6 adoption over the longer horizon over the next few years, maybe maybe even the next decade, uh, and how maybe you're thinking about it, how obviously the IETF is thinking about it, and where where things fit. I mean, what what do you think is really going to happen for IPv6 adoption and and maybe the protocol itself? Uh, I will feel that uh, IPv6 will continue to have a strong momentum in the next few years, let's say the next five years. The reason is that uh, in the next few years, I feel that operators will continue to uh, deploy IPv6. So at the moment, we see that about, you know, at least 80% of the user devices support IPv6. And we feel we, we have number that, you know, at least half the content uh, support IPv6. You know, some of my colleagues argue that, you know, uh, content is at least 60 or 70%. But we also have number that, you know, about only 40% of the networks, meaning operators, uh, support uh, IPv6. So this meaning that at the moment, I see that the network uh, is a little bit of the bottleneck. And therefore, you know, when operator continue to, to work on this, uh, we will see, you know, the whole IPv6 grow. But, you know, when more and more operator uh, deployed IPv6, and when the connectivity is no longer the IPv6 uh, bottleneck, let's say that, you know, the, the bottleneck moved to content again. And remember that big content already support IPv6. So if content, if we need more content to go to IPv6, it will have to be the smaller website. And as we discussed, uh, it's much more difficult to get a uh, smaller website SME to, to uh, support IPv6. So I, I feel that uh, IPv6 in the next five years will continue to have a uh, good momentum, but you know, after five years, maybe I think that the, the, the growth will be, you know, maybe relatively flat. And I think that at that time, it will be more difficult. But how to, you know, get better, you know, uh, five years later, I think that just now we talk about the public cloud, where I hope that, you know, five years later, we can finally find something that why IPv6 is better than IPv4. I think that at this moment, uh, other than more address, other than more address, I think that the answer is not so uh, clear yet. But I think that this year there are there are another uh, uh, exciting thing. I, I feel exciting about IPv6 is that in June 2022, this year, it's the first time that IPv6 uh, performance becomes better than IPv4. And when I say the performance be better, I'm mainly talking about uh, latency. 
So you know, since the first deployment of IPv6, uh, IPv6 always have somewhat higher uh, latency than IPv4. At the beginning, the, the it can be like, you know, uh, between the same site, IPv6 can have, you know, be anywhere between, you know, 20 to 50 milliseconds slower. Um, it's continually, I think that the difference becomes smaller and smaller. But it's about June this year that, you know, we finally, you know, reach the inflection point. And IPv6 worldwide average latency for the first time become uh, smaller than uh, IPv4. I kind of feel that, you know, if um, the, the, the trend continues, I, I, I think that I track the, the number each month, and actually, you know, I check the latest number today. The, the today's number is better than June, and, you know, June is better than the, the past. So this is encouraging. I feel that, you know, if we have clear answer why IPv6 is better than IPv4, for example, because it provides better performance, then I think that hopefully, you know, uh, the SMEs will also have a little bit more incentive to move IPv6 because they also care about their uh, customer experience. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I think the SMEs will also, and, and this is just my opinion, so I could be completely wrong, but I do believe that for many of the, on the smaller side of that SME equation, just take what their provider gives them. And so if their provider um, working with them because they're either doing managed services or something else like that, uh, when those providers uh, um, basically turn that managed service on with IPv6, they'll just be running IPv6 and they really won't know the difference. And so right. you'll get a certain shift in the market once that operational practice becomes commonplace within the uh, those sort of you know smaller midline um, enterprises. And then I think the folks that are slightly bigger than that to not quite the size of enterprise are going to move when they realize the majority of content has moved over and they want to guarantee that they can it's see all the content is available to them because there might start seeing some folks say, forget it, we can't get, it's not cost effective for us to continue supporting IPv4. So uh, some folks may choose to make their V6 the only way to get to, to operate or, or work. And that may be true more in more geographic diversity, you're in Germany, um, but you know, for folks in the Asia Pacific region, uh, and, and you know, certainly for Huawei in China, I mean, I, I think you're going to see more and more countries that are like, we don't have the V4 to hand out. V6 is the only way. It just makes sense for us to primarily put our resources available there and invest in what's going to give us abundance of address space, abundance of capabilities, and, and invest in that particular area. That's just my crazy idea about how I think it's going to go. <laughs> I don't right. know if it's accurate. Good point. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Is, is there, I, I know you have quite a few connections and, and, and resources around the IPv6 side. Is there things that you wanted to share with the audience around resources and other information uh, that you think um, the audience should be, should be listening to and checking out? Yes, so I think that first of all, uh, you folks are doing some very good services to the community, right? So this IPv6 buzz is really great. Um, I think that, you know, the, the usually the RIRs, the regional uh, address the registries, uh, they usually have the ripe meeting, ripe NCC meeting or array meeting, 
I think that they usually provide a lot of you know good resources on on IPv6. Um, the various IPv6 councils, I think that uh, many countries have uh, IPv6 councils, and we are especially advocating these to the kind of like the emerging economies. Um, I think that in recent years, we actually see that you know most of the IPv6 deployment are happening in Asia, in Middle East, in Africa. And this is very, very uh, encouraging. So, you know, I also encourage people to check out the various IPv6 council and join your local uh, IPv6 council. If it's not already, if there is none in your country, maybe you can start one and we can we can help you. Um, IPv6 forum and V6 op, you know, are providing resources. I, I know that, you know, people like uh, Nanili, they are, uh, the inside the product, uh, they are having, you know, uh, free IPv6 training every week. So these are also some of the good resources. And here I will also uh, call for uh, some organizations like the Internet Society and other organizations. I think like around 2013 and 2014, because the world launched IPv6 in 2012. So in 2013 and 2014, many uh, organizations uh, put in a lot of effort uh, to promote IPv6 and they produce a lot of materials, you know, uh, at that time uh, about IPv6. But after 2014, I think that the effort kind of like stops. But now because of the value chain is ready, because of the very good uh, momentum about IPv6, I really hope that these organizations can restart uh, their IPv6 effort and by first updating their portal and, and then, you know, join the effort to let more people know uh, that IPv6 is making uh, great progress and is now an exciting thing rather than the, you know, old and boring thing that many people thought it was. Yeah, Xi Ping, I, I sure hope you're right, you know, that interest in IPv6 will you know, restart and or, or continue to increase over the coming years. And I think your point is really valid about the fact that there was a big effort right after the world launch. And there was a lot of content that came out, including mine and Tom's. <laughs> we were right. We were right in that time frame, <laughs> right, of, of a lot of, uh, of content making it out there. Uh, if you start looking at all the books, you're like, wow, these are a decade old now. <laughs> right? and, and it's not as useful for folks. So I think the investment in there will be really important for hey, folks. Hey, mine's only to... eight years old. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh, well, I'll, I'll ask you whether you believe all the recommendations in your book are still current. How's that? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Mostly. Well, I... Yeah. Yeah. Most of mine are good too, but I mean, there's been a lot of changes since then. I mean, Microsoft has, Microsoft doesn't have all the tunneling protocols turned on anymore, things like that. Well, I, and shipping, I mean, is there important stuff, any important points that we missed in, in our discussion overall that you'd like to bring up just for the audience in general, just sort of like, Hey, do we, you should pay attention to this or, or this stuff is really interesting and keep an eye on it. Is there something you wanted to sort of highlight uh, or something you felt was really important to mention? Uh, maybe that's uh, one point that, that I want to mention is that the IPv6 awareness and knowledge are still pathetic. Uh, <laughs> in, in August, I went to uh, ACN SICOP 
This is the number one academic conference in networking. Arguably, you know, some people may say the uh, uh, Infocom. But anyhow, you know, when I go to SICOM, uh, and there are a lot of famous professors there, you know, when I talk to them about IPv6, they really, they know very little and they show very interest. Until I told them the, you know, my, my pitch, you know, okay, the value chain is now ready, you know, how fast the IPv4 address uh, price is uh, is going up and you know how many users are, are, are coming to uh, adding to IPv6 operator adding to IPv6 they they become excited and when they tell them about uh, Brian Carpenter is writing this uh, free IPv6 textbook they are all very interesting um, somebody say this uh, I don't know to whom to give this credit to but somebody say this very well they say that you know the biggest problem of IPv6 is that we have 20 million IP engineers that doesn't understand IPv6. So, you know, there is a lot of, you know, education uh, to do. Um, really, I hope that, you know, there will be more people like uh, you, like IPv6 bars, you know, like the free IPv6 training, like Brian Carpenter. I think that, you know, writing a uh, uh, free and um, up-to-date IPv6 book is really important. I also talked to the graduate students uh, in SICCOM. And the story is basically the same. You know, after my selling of IPv6, they feel that, oh, this is something, you know, interesting that I, I, I need to, uh, to look into. Uh, I, I also convinced my son, you know, he's uh, kind of like a, a fresh, you know, uh, a computer science student. And he's now he's also showing interest in IPv6. So I think that uh, this is this is something that I I feel that you know we really uh, need more people uh, to do the IPv6 education. Yeah, fair enough. You heard you heard the you heard the request, audience. <laughs> Get out there, start producing IPv6 content. <laughs> not all of you that are blogging, sharing stuff, YouTubing. Get on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is there is there anything else? I mean, I know I know we had talked briefly about public cloud stuff um, and and a bunch of other topics. Was there anything else that we feel like is, is super important to cover? Outside of that, I say great job on the ITF side. There's certainly been a lot of activity on the mailing list. I've been I've been lurking in the in the mailing list, watching everything sort of go on, and it seems like there's a lot of activity right now, which is great. No, I think that we cover uh, most of the important points. Awesome. Well, unlike V6, we run out of space for this podcast. So <laughs> thanks to today's guest, uh, Ping Xiao with Huawei. How can, the follow, how can the audience follow you on the internet? Do you have any, any following besides just the ITF mailing list? Is there a, are you on Twitter? Are you on LinkedIn? Are there other ways folks can reach out to you? Yeah, I'm on, on LinkedIn. Uh, I, it's just my, my uh, first name and last name in a single word. You know, search me on LinkedIn and you, you will find me. Okay, we'll provide a link in the, in the show notes if that's okay. And <laughs> so folks can okay. reach out. Awesome. Well, you can reach the IPv6 Buzz podcast on Twitter. We're at IPv6 Buzz. You can also hit up each one of us on Twitter. Uh, Tom is at IPv6 Tom, Scott is at Scott Hogue, and I'm at E. Horley. 
Thanks for listening to the IPv6 Buzz. You can find us on the Packet Pushers or any of your favorite podcast apps. Just search for IPv6 Buzz. And if you like the show, please give us a rating on iTunes. If you like this podcast, we recommend you check out Heavy Networking, Day 2 Cloud, and the Network Break podcast, plus all the other great technical content over at packetpushers.net. So long and until next time, we'll see you on the internet. The IPv6 internet, that is. I'll hit that again, Tom. So long and until next time, we'll see you on the internet. The IPv6 internet, that is. Mm -hmm.